And welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. And check this out. That was the sound of a high five because we are finally, after three years, recording together in person. Now, as we've mentioned many times before, we've seen each other dozens and dozens of times the last three years. And we always say, yeah, yeah, we're going to record and this. And we just literally never gotten around to it. It never happens. I'll drive home and the very next day we'll record remotely. Mm-hmm. But here we are. I think this this is our third or fourth podcast recorded in person. If you count the first two and then one during the lockdown phase. Pretty much. I think it was only one during the lockdown phase. One during yeah. the lockdown phase. Yeah. And it was in the same building you live in, but it was before you moved into this sweet loft apartment. It was your old one. And it was when everyone was still social distancing. And we had the microphone on your kitchen table. And then mm-hmm. we were both sitting like three feet away from our respective ends of the table. Yes. And would kind of lean in to talk when it was our <laughs> turn to talk. You know, we didn't really, I mean... It was, it was in the height of COVID craziness. But here we are. And so once again, uh, actually, probably audio quality won't be as stellar as it normally is because we are recording in Gavin's apartment in Venice Beach. Right as we were about to record five minutes ago, they started vacuuming outside. So we had to wait. You're going to hear sirens. You're going to hear crazy people outside. It's Venice. It's part of the ambiance of it all. Uh, it's been the set of at least three Don the Dragon Wilson movies, uh-huh. right? So you, you've got action outside and you can, when you hear the police sirens, you can imagine Don the Dragon Wilson is a mistaken identity running in the wrong <laughs> direction from the police looking for truth. Just this morning when we were getting our uh, post-workout breakfast, we, uh, at Cafe Collage, Gavin was like, oh, you remember when Gary Daniels was running in that Don the Dragon Wilson movie? It was right here. And it's like, oh, snap, it was. So fun part about being at Venice Beach. But uh, anywho, how are you? Good, sir. I'm, I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm a little groggy from uh, yeah. last night. Yeah. So uh, obviously we're here in person. We are going to be talking about an amazing double kung fu screening that we went to last night. And like a lot of those screenings, it did not get out till late. And on top of that, we stayed uncharacteristically about an extra hour afterwards chatting with friends because we had a good group that showed up, which is nice. Most of the time, it's just Gavin and I had these things. So we had a couple of our uh, friends show up, which we'll get to later. But yeah, we got home very late. But then we had to get up very early this morning. And then we did an intense outdoor workout, some strength training. And we will be training tonight with our sensei, Sugarfoot, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham, and our senpai, Herman the Bat Baltazar. So we're trying to rest up a little bit. We're drinking some coffee. We may also have to get some energy drinks. Very rare for both of us, but you know, it might just be one of those times. And you may also hear Gavin's dog snoring in the background, but he's so peaceful right now. Yeah, we we took him on enough walks that uh, minimal chance of barking, maximum chance of snoring. Yeah. And this coffee you made, this is this is fantastic. And it's served in like little Japanese teacups. I so. got these on my trip to Japan. One of my mother's friends handmade them and gave them uh, to me as a, or gave them to us as a thank you for visiting Japan. Like they give, they gave us thank you gifts for visiting. Wow. I know. So there we go. Cheers. Wait, check this out. Cheers, Mike. Oh, did you hear that? Because we're in person. Anywho, uh, what's new? I mean, it's. It's a little bit different when we've been hanging out <laughs> with each other. So, uh, well, while you were parking your car and I was walking the dog, 
I was thinking about more short movies. Part of part of the LA fun is uh, the game of musical chairs with your car when it's like we had a sweet spot, but it's street cleaning. So we have to wait till it's, and then so I had to move it for street cleaning, then try to move it right back after street cleaning's done. And I move it right back and it's already filled the street, you know, five yeah. minutes after street cleaning's done. That's that's LA for you though. So uh but we I definitely have some martial arts movie news this week. I was writing stuff down. Not sure if you wrote anything down, but uh, so as far as trailers go, the new Expendables trailer dropped. Oh, that is correct. Did you watch it? I did watch it. I also saw the fake cast uh, and then the real cast. Okay. Yeah. So what did you think about the trailer? Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was cute. Okay. Right? The way it opens, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's cute. Okay. With with Jason Statham and uh Megan Fox right. having uh having a scene that is romantic yet martial arty. Uh and then it you know, then it kind of like goes through the point to let you know that this it's got humor, it's got these cast members. It did tease a fight that looks really good. Uh what did you think of it? Not excited. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> like so it, here's it, the it, deal. It's, cute. it's yeah, you know, I loved the first one when it came out. And as I've said, the original cut of it, because I bought the Blu-ray when it came out and it's the director's cut. And I swear they've changed some of the music and some of the editing mm-hmm. choices. And I actually prefer the original theatrical version. And but each one after that, like I've enjoyed them, but I I've thought number two fell flat. I thought number three had some good moments, but fell really flat in other parts and was just they're trying to cram way too many people in there. I thought in number two, Van Damme was great as the villain, but underutilized. And I wanted more from that ending fight. And number three, Wesley Snipes appeared, Uh right? And I like Wesley Snipes, but once again, they were all the young people they were trying to cram in there. Yeah. It's what was so great about the first Expendables. And I'll even say this, what was so great about Predator is it was character driven. Mm. And I feel like there's a lot of analogies between those films because essentially these are ensemble action pieces that are pretty well scripted, if not excellently scripted. I would say Predators of of the upper echelons of uh, action ensemble films. But you're right, each with each passing film, something drops off in order to cram more people in. And I mean, of course, we loved, we lo- I loved, we loved seeing Jean-Claude Van Damme in the second film. Thought he was fantastic. Uh, I love that they brought Wesley Snipes back to like uh, a mainstream big Hollywood film. But there, there are elements that fall flat. And there's a feeling of that in this as well. In many ways, you asked me what I thought of the trailer. It kind of reminded me of, I think, Fast and Furious 7 or 8, where Jason Statham in the trailer has a nice fight sequence yeah. with The Rock. It's like, okay, I, I'm interested, but I don't know if I'm all in. Right. And yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I'll go see it, but I'm not getting my hopes up. Like, I'm hoping for the best, but I just can't be that optimistic. Uh, and obviously Stallone is playing a much smaller part, like stepping away. That's kind of the whole thing. Hence why his name on the poster is even Ann Stallone, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just I just can't trust the powers that be to do a good job. So maybe I'll be wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Uh, what else? Okay, the trailer for Warrior Season 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, have you watched Warrior Season 1 or 2? I have not. Shame because I didn't you. have, the, I know, because I didn't have the streaming service, but I believe I now do. Yes, do you have access to my HBO Max? I have access to, yeah. 
our HBO. Oh, okay. You have as HBO of, Max. As a, as, so full disclosure, I've just started Succession. Okay. I've just started streaming all these shows Got that it. people have been telling me about, including Warriors is on on queue as well. Right. Got it. So uh, they just dropped Warrior. Warrior. Yeah. They just dropped season the season three trailer. Looks really good. I'm a huge fan of the show. Not everyone is, and that's totally cool. Like for example, our good friend Sifu Alex Richter. He's not a big fan of the show. The thing is, though, I don't go into it as a like a Bruce Lee fanboy at all. In mm -hmm. fact, every time it says based off the writings of Bruce Lee, I'm like, that's kind of I had to say baloney. But his initial treatment was maybe the basis for the a real like you can't even say it's like uh a basic premise is what they uh got off of his treatment in the name of the lead character but that's it the rest of it is completely other uh players have developed it all like it really mm -hmm. to even um, give bruce lee credit it's a bit of a stretch but when you've got jonathan tropper on there that who did banshee which is one of my favorite shows and you have such an amazing cast. It's I love the show, but I I am totally separated from Bruce Lee and Warrior. I really don't associate the two yep. like everyone else does. I, they'll do little references once in a while, like they'll have Andrew Koji do a little bit of a Bruce Lee stance. But aside from that, for me, they're two very distinct entities: Bruce Lee and then the show Warrior. And I think it's a mistake to try to associate them, but that's all marketing, right? But it's just an amazing show, and I'm really looking forward to season three. And Jessica loves it, too, so that's the cool part. It's like... That's nice. It's a... And it's like a gangster show, you know, with awesome martial arts and set in Chinatown, San Francisco in the 1800s. Uh, what else do we have? We have also... Yeah. Oh, they're... Uh, they just announced they're going to be doing a new Steelcase 4K UHD Blu-ray for The Last Dragon. I was going to say, can you translate that? So a very high quality version in a very cool case for the 1985 Barry Gordy produced action martial arts musical classic, The Last Dragon. So a favorite movie of ours. I love it. And to have it released in what's obviously going to be a special collector's edition type thing and of just the highest quality, heck, to the freaking, yeah, show enough. And then let's hear what else. Oh, uh, there's been a lot of pictures coming out. Well, not so much from the production yet, but just the cast of The Last Kumite. Yes. Including uh, online, uh, would, you, would you call him an influencer? I would call him. I why not? Yeah, people call him, and he he does refer to yeah. himself as one, or he does not denounce right. the Viking yeah. Samurai, who has a podcast channel where he's uh, given a platform for a lot of great martial arts, uh, martial artists, and martial arts stars, and some maybe not so great martial artists or martial arts stars, according to or in some people's opinions. But he gives an equal voice to a lot of people, which yeah, you know, it's like there. What he does is he gives a platform yes. and voice to people because it's it's I think a message we get from a lot of former Hollywood stars or st people who uh, made applied their trade in Hollywood is once Hollywood is done with you, you know you your your voice disappears. Your voice continues in your real life, but you no longer have a platform. What I what I do appreciate about his show is he gives a lot of people an opportunity to speak. And I, I think uh, one of the most recent interviews he's been doing, the series he's been doing with Don the Dragon Wilson, I will say when I watch them, I'm smiling and green with envy because he's getting a fantastic opportunity and he's giving voice to, to Don the Dragon Wilson who has, you know, 
were just huge fans of his. This is true. And he got to come out to L.A. and train with him. I know. That's fantastic. Uh, And perhaps he was training to work on something? Uh, On this movie that he's been uh, there with them. So The Last Kumite, yeah. uh, There's been pictures with him, Kurt McKinney, Matthias Hughes, Cynthia Rothrock, Billy Blank. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, Keep my fingers crossed for that one. Once again, I, you know... Who knows? Who knows with projects like that, like what's really going on behind the scenes? How far it's how far right. along and can it but I mean I feel I feel so confident with so many of those names involved. Uh yeah, you've got some phenomenal martial artists, including the Viking Samurai himself, who is uh a, a natty bodybuilder, as he would say. A hundred percent I believe he's natty. He looks natural, but he's in incredible shape. And for a guy his size, he's an incredible kicker. So, uh, hey, I'm hoping it turns out great because I'd love to see more old school style films uh, these days, right? Like throwback films that are done correctly. I mean, I feel like that's what uh, the whole Cobra Kai series did. It's opened the door for, hey, there there are these actors and performers out there who can still, not just still, I hate to use the word still, but who can perform, who haven't had that opportunity to perform – and with the right script and the right production team and the right spirit behind them, they can shine. And that's what I'm hoping for from this project. Yeah, that would uh, that would be the best outcome. And also, same thing with like Black Creek, Cynthia Rothrock's upcoming one. That's, I don't I don't know what I'm presuming that's next for Cynthia Rothrock because she's yes. on this. Yeah. And the thing is, once again, am I very optimistic about it? Not really. But unlike <laughs> <laughs> Expen- Expendables 4, which I don't really have any skin in the game, right? Or I d- I'm not really invested in it. This Black Creek one, I really want it to be good because of too. all the people involved. Some of them are, are what I would consider our friends, right? Like we've got Richard Norton involved and, uh, you know, Sensei. You, so, someone you got to train with, Olivier. Yeah, Olivier Gruner, who I've uh, trained with on a handful of occasions uh, back in the day with our Sensei Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham. I mean, you used to train under Sensei Benny the Jet. No. So, uh, I like how I said, I know, you know, yes. I, mean, I know he's in it. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope, uh, it succeeds and it, you know, turns out good, but who knows? Who knows? <laughs> you know, I mean, if they're, if they're need a little help, you yeah, know, you know, there, there, well, there are a couple people we know. I know. I know this guy, Gavin. And I know. I know AJ. He's, he's got a, a wicked, uh, what's that called? The rotating lizard or what's the, the, the move you do in hung foot or, <laughs> Oh, oh, uh, Reptile Turns Over. Reptile Turns Over. He's got a great reptile. What well, did hey, I call it? Okay. The, the reptile turn. Yeah, no, but if we are going to if we are gonna go that route, I mean, come on, let's get seafood. Don, Don Nyan, there you this. go. Well, we we have our own ideas we'll, we'll for an awesome his, yeah. movie with Seafood Don. You know, that would be, give us. Yeah, there's a paywall, uh, maybe about uh, 100,000, 200,000. Oh, man. That's what it's about. Oh, man, I, we'd make the best undefeatable sequel there is we, yeah. we've got some ideas anywho all right we digress so that's martial arts movie news you actually don't have a quote for me today i don't and here's a reason why right because i look up quotes mm-hmm. and then i try to sound them out like the characters mm-hmm. and there's just it just i didn't have time to do that with you around i have a few in mind for next week so all maybe right. next week two quotes all right so it in that case, we're going to go straight into talking about the films we are talking about today. That's right, films, two films. So we, oh, I should say, I came down to Los Angeles for the double kung fu screening last night at the New Beverly Cinema, where they were screening two amazing martial arts films, 1986, A Book of Heroes, 
starring Yukari Oshima and uh, Karata Sensei, Yasuaki Karata. And then also uh, the 1992 Hong Kong action martial arts film, Kickboxer's Tears with Moon Lee, Billy Chow, Ken Lo, and once again, Yukari Oshima. So uh, double Yukari Oshima screening technically. Uh, when they announced this one, when they did the schedule or when they do the te- so New Beverly Cinema, and for listeners that don't know, that's Quentin Tino's movie theater here in LA. Everything's always on film, 35 millimeter typically. He owns a lot of these films. So for example, A Book of Heroes is his own copy. I think they said Kickboxer's Tears was on loan from somebody else, but always on film. So sometimes the quality is perfect. Other times it's a little, you know, worn, but it, it adds to the charm. Mm-hmm. And- they at towards the end of the month they'll release a teaser trailer where they don't give any of the names of the movies they, it's just a trailer that's a compilation of clips from all the movies so anytime it comes out gab and i immediately jump on there and watch and if there's any martial arts one we try to figure out what it is now when this one played at the end of may i immediately saw a book of heroes and i knew that's what it was and i was like oh my god and then i saw moon lee fighting but i it was like too brief and i mm-hmm. couldn't tell what film it was uh i guessed wrong i believe i may have said devil hunters or one of those films but then when the official schedule was released and it said a book of heroes with kickboxers tears i was like i'm coming down we bought our tickets so I drove down here. We uh, ate at our usual place next door, Baba Ganoush. Baba Ganoush. Some Middle Eastern food. And when I say next door, you know, sometimes people like, oh, next door. It's like a block away. No, it's literally next door to the New Beverly. If you're looking yeah, at the New yeah. Beverly, it's the space to the left. I don't even think there's a break in the building. It's one building. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it is it is our tradition. We get some Turkish coffee because usually, you know, by the time I get down there, I've already worked out twice for the day. I've driven so for me to get to the New Beverly is about three and a half hours. I mean, closer to four, you know, because uh, you're going into the heart of the city. So, and Gavin was working all day. So we we had some Middle Eastern food snacks, some coffee. And then we also had a great group joining us. Yeah, so a lot of people. Yeah. So one of my very best friends from college, Juan Bayardo, uh, came to join us. He's been to a few of the screenings over the years. Yeah. Uh, especially, obviously, when I was still living in L.A., uh, and he's a fan of martial arts films and so forth. He works for Toei Animation, so he's big into anime as well, obviously. Uh, so he came out and he got to join us for dinner for a little bit too. Mm-hmm. We had our good friend of the podcast, Mr. Aaron Vargas, up and coming stunt man, martial artist, and stunt choreographer. Fight yes, choreographer. He is. That's right. So Aaron came out. He was flying solo, so uh, he got to hang out with us. And then also uh, my very good friend, Tiger, Tiger Shu, came out. Another phenomenal stunt performer, martial artist, host, actor. You name it, this guy can do it. He's, he is on my favorite episode of the Martial Arts Mania podcast when. I was away in Japan. AJ and Tiger recorded an episode, and I I listened minute one to minute probably sixty five. Yeah, uh, I just totally enjoyed it. Of course, they talked about Charles Bronson. Yes. Well, the- t- t- Tiger and I have a tendency. We could, we both have the gift of the gab, so you put us together and. Well, I, I did not witness that last night at all. Yeah, so that's the reason we also stayed forever because Tiger and I kept talking because uh, we can go on forever because we also nerd out. We, He and I, I won't go down too big of a tangent, but he and I are also like nerdly into 
or strangely into the American martial arts scene, which is very knowledgeable of it too. He has a lot more firsthand experience, just kind of where he grew up in Texas. He had more exposure to a lot of different martial arts stuff than I did. It's funny, you think I grew up in California that I would have had this plethora of martial arts schools. No, I grew up in the Central Valley. So like farmland in the middle of nowhere. Uh, there was one kind of, I had to say like McDojo type school, right? And that was the one I went to because that was the only option. It was very much like a, you know, start off as a good, what I would call like traditional Korean karate, almost type school, like Tong Sudo. And yeah. then a couple years into it, switched over into a McDojo family center. So, but anyways, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we can nerd out about film. We can nerd out about martial arts, competition. So yeah, that was our group that showed up. And then also we, we had- We also had a Guru Duffy, Selena Duffy. That's joined right. Her husband couldn't make it out. Uh, one of these days. One of these days. He did make it out to the uh, Jackie Chan double feature that oh, you didn't make it out that to. I couldn't make it out to. That's uh, right. But yeah, it was. It's a lot of fun. It's it's great to be in a in a in a whole row of people who are martial artists, stuntmen, chore, uh, choreographers, filmmakers, um, and just fans of martial arts and action film and the way it's supposed to be seen on the big screen screen from film so uh we were in we, I, I was in good company sitting around everybody so yeah and we met some new friends uh we met a gentleman behind us it was his first time there uh his name was joshua he's a stand-up comedian so it's his first time at the new beverly Very and nice. i uh I, i'm not sure i think he had Maybe it was like a casual fan of martial arts. I'm not sure, but he was a nice guy. We chatted with him. There's a gentleman in front of us. Oh, I'm trying to remember his name. I think maybe he said Daniel. He's actually a, a DP. And he started chatting us up because he's like, hey, is this a good introduction to martial arts movies for me? Because he had seen some uh, classic ones from the 70s, some that mm -hmm. didn't impress him. He said some that did like A Touch of Zen, which is a very, you know, art house King Who yeah. uh, film. And I said, you know what? This is either the perfect introduction or the worst so i'm like <laughs> you're going straight into some gung-ho high intensity incredible fight sequences so it's definitely because he was mentioning how some of the older ones as a dp just fell flat to him and i'm like i totally get that because even certain shaw brother ones that we love based off of the choreography and the performance from a technical standpoint some of them were very cookie cutter because they were churned out yes. so much on their studio system, right? But I was like, with something like this, you're getting a lot of dynamic action, kinetic, it high energy uh, martial arts on display. And I could tell while watching it, he was like, whoa, he was reacting. Ooh, whoa, like, cause there's some yeah. in intense stunt work. So. There is, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's diving deep into the rabbit hole of full paced, kickboxing, Hong Kong, golden era martial arts is what we did yesterday or Taiwan, Taiwan, Taiwanese right. produced film. So technically our first one uh, was Taiwanese. And the thing is with, uh, you know, like just from what I've gathered, there's certain ones that are, certain, Taiwanese martial arts pictures typically had some sort of association with the Hong Kong company, obviously, like the, the production company here was Cinema City. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, it's a Hong Kong company. There's going to be Hong Kong people involved. It was definitely shot in Taiwan because all the driving was on the other yeah. side of the road and yeah. the steering wheel and so forth. But you had some Hong Kong actors in there because uh, even the, the little kid, you know, he was from Magic Crystal, yeah. right? So, like, I mean, you've got there's some crossover, but our first film, A Book of Heroes, is a Taiwanese film, and then Kickboxer's Tears was a Hong Kong film, and they definitely have their own flair, their own aesthetic. There's there's definitely some distinction once you get deeper into it. To the untrained eye or the casual fan, you may not notice a difference, 
But, uh, and obviously there was a language difference. The first film was in Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Second film, Cantonese. Yep. So luckily they both had great subtitles, like, you know, not falling <laughs> off the screen or yeah. anything. No Indonesian subtitles, like when we yes. watched uh, Wing Chun. Yeah. So it's like you have like three different subtitles battling for screen space. Uh but yeah, and it was a great crowd, a little bit smaller than some of the other ones we've been to. And I'd imagine yeah. a lot smaller than Jackie Chan probably, right? It was. And, yeah. you know, I mean, that's great for us because we could, again, we could all sit together. Yeah. I think all six, seven, eight of us. I'm yeah, like, I, easily I got a nice, perfect row right in the middle. Yes, and nobody blocking the view of the subtitle. Yes. Uh, but it's also a little disappointing because it's like, these are fun films and we don't want the New Beverly or any other film house to pull back on doing these films. I don't think they will because, you know, when they introduce these films, they introduce them with uh, excitement. Yes. Um, so, but and still, I would love to see more people showing up, coming right. out for these. But. As interesting as it is, I feel like sometimes there's actually a bigger turnout for the random Kung Fu ones. Yes. Because uh, people like to go and laugh in a sense. But the, recently they've done a great job with their introductions of yeah. saying like, hey, it's okay to laugh at some things that are A, either legitimate laughs, like it's the dialogue or the occasional chuckle, but don't be laughing just to laugh at it, you know, laugh mm-hmm. with it, which is nice. I appreciate that because we've gone to some in the past where you have the obnoxious knucklehead behind you, <laughs> like laughing at stuff that you shouldn't be laughing at. Yeah, And I've turned around before and just kind of death stared uh, I had to do that a little bit during our license to steal screening a couple of yes, weeks ago. Yes. And then it stopped as soon as I gave my death stare. It's my secret martial arts move. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but otherwise it was a great crowd, great energy. You know, people definitely appreciated a lot of the stunt work and action because there was a lot of ooh and ah. And even me uh, watching it on the big screen, certain stuff, I would, you know, you just cringe because you're like, ooh, there's, there's no fake in that. Yep. There's no pad, or and if, even if there are pads, that's not doing much to help that poor stunt person's back. But uh, yeah, so this was your first time, 100% your first time watching A Book of Heroes. Yes, it was. Completely. And you're, did you ever recall if you had seen Kickboxer's Tears all the way yes. through? Yes, I you had. had. So okay. I, I particularly, it, I felt like I'd seen sequences uh-huh. and- uh, but once it once we moved to the final location for the final fight, I was like, oh, completely. I remember all of this. <laughs> I remember you, it because of how random it is. Yes. Yeah, it's it's extremely random, but also extremely memorable. Right. Uh, the whole final sequence in the in, I don't know, like the the discarded house. Right. Or castle or whatever it is. So yes, I, I had seen that before, but it had been many years, probably not since the nineties, which is you know, when I even watched it in the 90s, it still had that like faded look to it. So it felt like it was from the 80s. It's hard to believe it's a 1992 film. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Book of Tears, first time watch. Book of Heroes. Book of Heroes. Book of Tears. Yeah. Merging the films there you together. Go. The sequel. The, the yeah. sequel we never got. Book of Tears. But Book of Heroes, yeah. First time watch. And you you had watched it before. Yes. How many times and how? Uh, I technically only watched it all the way through once. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure. And as I was telling people, because... I am. I do not illegally download, but I did receive a copy of this film from someone a couple of years ago because there was no legitimate version of it available, and it was uh, it was for the quality for the version I got. It was it was just old quality, if that makes sense, right? It wasn't yeah. like bad or scratch. Like I couldn't see what was going on. It was just a very old copy of it, and 
I had watched it all the way through once, mostly because it was in Mandarin and it's very fast paced. So you have to sit there and watch it. Now, my Mandarin is like what we call like elementary proficient or conversationally fluent, but this movie's a mile a minute, right? So it's really hard for me to keep up when watching this particular film. Uh, Other ones that I've watched or that we've watched and talk about, I can watch in Mandarin. You know, the subtitles, I, I need them during certain parts, but otherwise I do pretty okay. This is one of those ones where it was like really hard for me to keep up. And it could have also been the fact that, you know, sometimes it may have been more of a Taiwanese Mandarin style for all I know, right? And so like, I may have not just even some yeah. of the sentence structure or, you know, slang or this or that. But so yeah, I'd only ever watched it all the way through once, but I loved it. And the main reason why was I didn't want to just sit and watch it in parts. I wanted to give this film its due diligence. Uh, or I, I should say, well, that's not right. Yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the respect it deserves. And that's why getting to watch it last night on the big screen, oh, man, that's... It's a lot of fun. It's sort of like a collage piece put together. I know we we talked about License of Steel two episodes ago about it being that perfect balance between comedy and action and how the comedy and the action both move character development and the story forward. There are times where this film is like, we're going to shift over to comedy shift over. It's like, it's kind of, I'm not going to say it forces anything because the comedy works in the comedic moments and the action works in the action moments, but it is like, it's like a stew <laughs> essentially where everything is a goulash as yeah, my dad used to say, Yeah, everything's thrown into the pot and uh, it kind of all works. There are some elements that are like little, uh, I don't know. There are times where it feels like it's a little stop and go, but there are also elements that are just so well done. And like there, there are some sequences we were talking about last night um, uh, where the stunt work is so well done in a few particular scenes. Uh, we talked about the the young boy who was yes. in Magic Crystal. He's He gets involved in an action sequence. And clearly it's not him because a little kid his size couldn't be doing what his stunt double's doing. He's a little taller. But they're always cutting away from his face. And then when there's a big moment, he's standing in the background. Like after like someone's been kicked by by him, his character, and the character's crashing through the window, he's sitting on a table with his legs crossed smiling. It's so that's how the film is. It's like comedy interwoven with action and back and forth. Sometimes the comedy's taking the lead, sometimes the action's taking the lead. But it's 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 this it's this goulash, it's the stew of everything kitchen sink thrown into that into that crock pot try, trying to make it work and it actually kind of does yeah i uh couldn't put it better myself and i, I was literally as you were talking i drifted into thinking about that sequence in the i was zoning out i was yeah. probably looking at me i'm just like going into la la land as my grandma would have said but yeah it's just and i was talking to the dp guy in front of us a little bit i, I had mentioned how and the one thing I, you know about this film that is immediate is the undercranking they use, right? Yes. But it's of that top-notch level from that era. And there's a and we were talking about this afterwards. There's a lot of doubling in these fight scenes, but it's done brilliantly. The cuts, like you're never like, oh, I see the double, but you just know from what's being performed. Like obviously you have Yukari Oshima, who's doing 90 percent of her own stuff uh same thing with karata sensei doing Definitely. and then like eugene thomas who plays the 
the big black uh, enforcer. Yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, he's really good. His he, whip kicks. Oh man, I want to say his whip kicks. So I, we all know, like yes. listeners of this podcast know that I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Sasha Mitchell's whip kicks and kickboxer three and four. Now let's These put this to shame. Yeah, let's let's be distinct of what you call the whip kick. So okay. what is the whip kick? I'm talking about where the leg is going. It's a roundhouse kick. A roundhouse kick that kick. whips across. Whips across okay. and goes, yeah, because I mean he was yeah. throwing multiples, great form. With his long limbs, especially. And yeah. the thing is, Eugene Thomas worked on a bunch of the Robert Tai Taiwanese films, like with yes. Alexander Loray and stuff. You you see him pop up all the time, uh, usually with a, a funny dubbed voice. But I really don't know much about his background. As a performer, he is one of the unsung, like, Guaylo guys, but I guess Absolutely. I wouldn't call him Guaylo, maybe Guaylo Ren in Mandarin, like, like, foreigner, right? Or Lao Wai. Uh, so, but really good. So, aside from those three, are we have a lot of uh, the stars that are double, but they do a really good job when the camera's on them. They have really good rhythm and timing, mm-hmm. but then they're obviously doubled for a lot of the more... Uh, intricate movements, but it's just done so well that you don't question. It's not like when watching a Hollywood picture and it's really obvious, or God forbid, it's like a uh, they have to wig it, as they say, where a man doubles a woman or something yes. like that. And which don't get me wrong, they, they did probably to this day still do that in like Hong Kong and Chinese cinema. But in the case of this film, it's done so well, you would never know. And and, and if you do know, you actually kind of want to want to act, applaud how well they're doing, how well the editors are doing, how well the the direct, the, the cinematographer is doing and how well the stunt performers are doing. It's like a few weeks, uh, about a month ago now when we talked about uh, You Only Live Twice. Uh-huh. There's that sequence where the stunt person jumps and then jumps down, rolls over the crates. And right. Uh, Sean Connery pops up with perfect timing so it feels like it has to be him. We know it's not, at least we think it's not. Yeah. But- it pops up perfectly. The actors had their timing down pat. So if the actors weren't doing the stunts, they still had the impeccable timing to act as though they've completed the stunt right. at the tail end of it. It's just particularly, so we're talking about, there's there's a scene where uh, Loretta Yang, I think, goes to the, goes to the, Bachelor's Club. Oh, okay, Bachelor's Club is where where the English and the Chinese are. You know, they gamble, but there is it's it's a men's. It's like a like a golf club, but without the golfing. You know, it's it's men only. They're smoking cigars, playing. So playing you have cards. her English name is Loretta Yang. Hold on. See, I have it as Elsa Yang. I have Loretta Yang. Interesting on 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 uh, the internet on DuckDuckGo, I believe. Okay. Um, so, but Miss Yang. Okay. Miss Yang. That's good. So she, she bribes the young boy so she can go into the club, gamble. You know, she's basically hoodwinking, conning a table, wins all the money, is about to leave, accused of, uh, cheating. And of course, all these men have to, or become assailants and she has to escape. The young boy helps her, uh, fantastic editing, fantastic performance, fantastic editing, fantastic cinematography. And if they are wigging it, amazing wigging it, because her, her hair is outlandish. And there's a sequence where even after a stunt, she gets up and like pats her hair um, and makes sure it's all in place. 
So, uh, and of course, the the young man who is played by, if I'm not mistaken, Tao Dai Wei. No, sorry. Wen Chao Yu. Does that sound right? I think it sounds right. Let's say it sounds right because he's the little fighter. Um, uh, anyway, the the sequence is probably one of the best sequences in the film outside of the final fight when we get to see our top henchmen right. combating each other. Agreed. And it's fun. And, and some of the comedy is wacky. Some of the comedy actually makes you laugh out loud. And there was one part towards the end I was trying to remember, and obviously we can't write it down. There was like a couple of uh, lines by one of our, and so this is an ensemble movie in the truest sense, right? So uh, we have a character, David or Dawe, which is kind of like, would be like, you know, the Chinese equ uh, equivalent uh, played by David Tao. And he's definitely a comic relief and he has a few lines and I can't remember what it was, but I remember one of them had you laughing out loud, like the kind of where it's unexpected, not like, oh, haha, that was funny. It's like he said something and you straight up just started laughing. I know. And he had a line that made me do the same thing. And now I can't remember it for it. Was it, was it, so basically our, our con artist protagonist, so there are multiple protagonists in this film. Yes. Our con artist couple protagonists, they're running away because they have the map, the bad guys, Yasuaki Kurata. Wait, real quick. We haven't really talked about the plot of this film. <laughs> no, we haven't. And it's because it's so wacky and all over the place. As I said before the movie, a lot of people ask me, AJ, what's this movie about? And I said, honestly, it's all over the place. I remember there's a treasure map with gold and drug dealers and undercover cops. And that was a pretty good yeah, summary. So and I'm going to summarize it again one more time for you. A Book of Heroes is about drug dealers, the cop that's trying to bring them down that constantly fails some smuggled gold that then becomes hidden treasure, some con artists that inadvertently get involved and get a treasure map to said gold, some undercover agents, some assassins, and some Kung Fu Kid fighters. Yes. And that's the, the film. So we're not going any farther into the plot than that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's, it's like a comp. So there's a sequence in the middle of the film where we meet David, where he runs a gas station in the middle of nowhere. And no, uh, David doesn't run the gas station. Who runs the gas station in the middle of nowhere? That's, uh, uh, oh, I forget his name, but no, David is the partner of the con man partner. Yeah. Yeah. So, but who's, who plays, uh, the, the gas station attendant guy is, uh, uh, ah Fong, played by an actor named Jing Fong. I'm, I am sorry for the mistake. Yes. But Jing Fong, uh -huh. uh, he has the gas station where right. they show up and, uh, are essentially, if you, if you marry me, you'll inherit the gas station. And then lo and behold, the gas station is obliterated through some great action sequences. When the, when the bad guys catch up with the con artists, uh, if I've lost you, you had to be there. It's basically it, to break down any one of these scenes in this movie. As I'm speaking, I realize you can't break it down because it doesn't make sense. But it does when it's on film. It's not a linear film, but there is a time frame that this, the time frame is linear, but it is popping all over the place. I don't want to say it's like a mad, 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 mad world. But there are elements, particularly the destruction of the gas station, yeah. that feels a little bit like the Jonathan Winters uh, gas station being destroyed in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. There is gold. There are people looking for it. 
but it is more Mad World meets Hong Kong on a Taiwanese budget. Right. So lower budget is what I mean, Gavin means by that. But on top of that, even when we get the wacky comedy sequences, unlike, once again, this come up the last few episodes, like say in Knockabout, where it starts off with the wacky kung fu is a little more wacky or like yes. comical. Even during the most wacky comical sequences of this film, the martial arts is still done at high intensity, extremely frenetic, kinetic, whatever word you want to use, top of the line execution and choreography. Even as Gavin was saying with like the little kid kung fu fight sequence that could come off as so hokey and it does not. Every fight sequence in this film is so hard hitting. So if you like the classic 80s Hong Kong, as we love to call kickboxing style fight choreography, you'll be blown away by this movie because even the worst fight scenes in this one are better than some of the best in other films. Absolutely. And, and this is without even top of the line performers, or even real martial artists for that sake. Like even uh, one of our first major fight sequences, our introduction to Yukari Oshima's character and one of the police officer characters in the bar. That's a phenomenal fight scene right there. The gas station sequence, which you think would be, which has comical elements Wait, in it. Like your three comedians of the film yeah. are in an action sequence. And they're not necessarily supposed to have the best action. I wish I could remember the line of David. Right. Because I know what you're talking about. I can't. But I well, I feel like one happened in that well, in that and one scene, happened at the end. Well, in that scene, it's the one where he's like, aren't you going to help her? He's like, no, we made an arrangement. I'll take care <laughs> yes. of the kids. She does all the fighting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's the fight sequences are fantastic. Right. But and then we get to the actual finale. And oh boy, so we have every, there's like, it's funny, you're like, how are you going to make room for all of these actors? Because everyone, aside from our two uh, male kind of comedian characters, David and uh, Afung, they, but even they get to throw down a little bit in the finale. They're the one part that's a little more like comical because they're not martial artists. Yeah. But everybody else are extremely, their characters are competent martial artists and fighters. And we get to see them just perform because- uh, even our main police officer character, uh, Hu Pai, played by Hu Kwa, we don't see him throughout the, and he's kind of a mess up, right? He's constantly messing up and getting demoted. But in the finale, you see that, holy crap, he could throw down. And the actual actor, you see him do like kip ups and kicks. Like he's mm -hmm. legit and he's fighting the number two henchman who ends up being legit. So we just have all these incredible fight sequences going. In fact, there was at one point where I forgot about a certain character. So I thought we had wrapped up all the, and then it cuts back to their fight scene. I was like, oh yeah, there's another one going on. Is and that the guy wearing the white suit that you forgot about? No, because okay. that's the number two guy that was uh, fighting. And that we get a little comical sequence between him and uh, the Who Pie character where they're doing like animal poses. But no, I'm trying mm -hmm. to think, I can't remember whose it was. But, and it was never like a, oh God, here's another one. I was like, oh, what a treat. We have even more going on. And then, we also get our three female protagonists at the end teaming up to take on Karata Sensei, Yasuaki Karata, yes. and finish him off because he's so deadly. But and 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 like a it it's it's uh, flash forward, what do you call it? Uh an allusion to the future that we got was so close when Yasuaki Kurata faced off a couple of uh, uh female protagonists. There you go. Uh choreographed by Corey Yoon. But you do see elements of that, like uh I just, like, there's something about the way Yasuaki Kurata moves on screen. And we've talked about this before with this fight with uh, Jet Li and his other fights uh, uh, 
throughout film history. What we forget is when he's actually kind of carrying a fight scene, how good he actually is and how quick he is. Right. So often as the villain, he isn't necessarily uh, showing off his quickness, but more his power and villainous. Whereas in this sequence, it was a lot of quick movement, particularly when it was he and Yugari Oshima kind of facing off against each other. Yeah. Uh, so really, if you get the chance to get a hold of this movie, this is one of those ones that I can only hope gets some sort of Blu-ray re-release once again. But this, you know, this was Cinema City, which was one of the the smaller ones, but mm-hmm. did release some. They actually did both of our films we watched last night. We're about yeah. to start talking about the second one. I can only hope it gets some sort of Blu-ray re-release and remaster because that would be incredible just to see that. I would like to see someone do a Yukari Oshima box set, right? That would of be her Because yeah. even in this film, honestly, she's a supporting actress in it. But she gets to throw down so much like this, Outlaw Brothers, uh, Burning Ambition, which we got yes. to see. Uh, I, I would love to see a box set of a proper or even just a massive Girls with Guns one where it has a lot yeah. of these independent, like the Moon Lee ones mm-hmm. and hers. And uh, oh, that would be so amazing. And uh-huh. so far, luckily, the thing is, uh, a lot of these boutique Blu-ray companies are doing quite well. So on that note, I hope they keep doing well. And second... I'm I'm available for work. <laughs> uh, and j- just a quick note about uh, about Book of Heroes. There is there is some comedy or attempts at comedy that are a little racially insensitive. Yeah, uh, directed towards Eugene Thomas. Uh, so just just keep that in mind if you are going to watch it. You know the subtitle. I don't. Yeah, just keep that in mind. Yeah, there's there's one sequence where they're using like really out dated racial epithet not that any racial epithet is not outdated but uh they're they're yeah they're they're insulting his race and the color of his skin so i mean it is what it is it's a short little bit but uh yeah so just that's good warning fair warning to them but uh uh kickboxer's tears yeah so let's get into talking about the second one kickboxer's tears now Night and day difference in the tone. Kickboxer's Tears, yes, it has a couple sequences. Nothing wacky comedy. There's a couple of lighthearted little comical bits. And even from the opening sequence, you think maybe, uh, you know, and there's some characters that are a little more, the 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 Wilson Lamb character who plays the thief, uh, Yin, you know, he's a little more lighthearted. But otherwise, this is much more of a melodrama, kind yeah. of straight melodrama, which, you know, for... It, it, most of the girls with guns subgenre, they weren't really as comical, right? You know, you might have some lighthearted elements, but they were typically more serious, like police procedurals. Or this one is is kind of like a melodrama. It's a dramatic story where we have Moon Lee, who's returning from the mainland, uh, is in mainland China, uh, to see her brother and his students. He runs a uh, pretty much like a kung fu school slash clinic, mm-hmm. and he's a Muay Thai fighter as well. And she arrives to find out that her brother is going to be fighting again. And she's a little annoyed, like, oh, why is he fighting? You know, whatever, whatever. It's at the same time, we're also introduced to our uh, thief character played by, is it? So on IMDb, it has him as Yin, but I don't remember his character being named Yin. I remember him having a different uh, name. That That's that's what they have on um uh duck duck go as well okay so maybe it was yin uh it once again it's hard we can't write stuff down as we're watching the movie but uh anywho so we cut away to the muay thai fight that's about to happen and it's ken lowe's her brother and he's about to face billy chow played by billy chow 
And although her brother is dominating the fight at first, Billy Chow's corner cheats, puts some uh, like rubbing oil on his gloves, which burns Ken Lo's eyes. And eventually he is beaten to death by Billy Chow, which sets forth the events of the film in which Moon Lee's character wants revenge for her brother. And on top of that, she has to keep their struggling kung fu school afloat because she finds out her brother hasn't paid rent in like six months. And one of their other students played by Mark Chang, you know, future Hong Kong, established Hong Kong actor. Probably most people remember him from New Police Story. Remember he was the, uh, no, not New Police Story. Uh, Not Crime Story. No, 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 no. Uh, Oh, I'm mixing up my movies from that time. New Police Story was uh, Rong Wong Yu. Uh, But- while you look, while you look that up, one, one thing to one of the quotes that emerged early on in the film, as you know, Invisible like, Target. Sorry, that's the one where he's the slightly antagonistic, like uh, police official. But uh, anywho, so and he has to throw fights the Mark Chang character mm-hmm. uh, just so they can make ends meet. So yeah, he's like ten thousand if I if I win, thirty thousand if I lose. Yeah. So it's lines like that, and then early on in the film, Ken Lo's character before he before he dies in the ring, uh, you know, the promoter comes in, asks him if he's interested, and he says, I lose to fists, not to money. I don't, uh, not to money. Yeah. And so, I mean, there, you know, what what's nice about this film, and that, again, the tone is definitely far more serious, far more melodramatic, uh, but it also, like, uh, has people making choices about what is the martial way? What is the code of the warrior? Is the code of the warrior to keep the business open? So Mark Chang's character uh, is makes the decision to throw a fight so that he can keep his school open, even though he's no he's not the the teacher, so to speak. And then Moon Lee makes the decision to to go towards a professional fight, um, a mixed fight, as they called it. Uh, mixed because it's a man fighting a woman man fighting a woman but it, they don't approve that the commission doesn't approve that so they have to go underground for that but to keep the school open so it's not just revenge but it's also so she's not going just going after for honor she's also doing this for for well not the honor of her honor of her fallen brother but also the honor of the school yeah so it it uh so that that's one that's one element that may not have necessarily existed in the previous film in the double feature but definitely is a key driving force behind this film even the yin character uh you know has to go through you know he's a thief early on he reaches into moon lee's bag steals something turns out it's a placard for a deceased family member he's like i don't want this he throws it in the trash then he pulls it out of the trash because he knows he has to give it back uh, when he gives it back, he steals something else. And what he's stolen is a, is a locket necklace of Ken Lo, who's now passed away. And is a picture of Moon Lee and Ken Lo when they're kids. So he's like, now I have to give this back. Yeah. So it's like each every step along the way, he's still like buffoony, con artisty. But even when he finally gets Moon Lee to go out on a date and she's not really... Uh, not interested but like you can see that he's losing her because he's lied about this great state place and then he like opens up he says i was just trying to impress you that i've never been here but basically i'm pulling even like the side character and the side comedy uh pulling that out to talk about how this film is about making the right choices and character growth throughout the film yeah and the plot is pretty coherent all the way up until the end and like the final act takes a weird turn. Whereas it's, as I said, it's pretty much a straightforward sports melodrama. You've got the kind of slight romantic interest in like, you know, there's the 
slight rivalry between Mark Chang's character and uh, Wilson Lamb's character over mm-hmm. the affections of our Moon Lee character, Lee Fung. Uh, and, you know, as I said, it plays over straight melodrama. Okay, it's sports-based as well. We have these r- fights in the ring. Then we have the underground fight. It's kind of like kickboxing-based action. Yeah, there's one street fight. Once again, all still relevant to the in the coherent plot that they've developed there. And then in the final act, it takes an interesting turn where our group that runs the whole fight scene uh, with the big boss, I believe his name's Wong, mm-hmm. uh, and his wife, played by Yukari Oshima, uh, they both end up being like weirdly crazy and sadistic. So pretty much in... Getting revenge for her brother, Moon Lee uh, cripples Billy Chow. Billy Chow was... But, uh, I would say on accident. Yeah, I mean, it's like, once again, he cheated again. And so she just, in blind rage, like, defended herself and ended up crippling him, but not intentionally necessarily. But, I the, mean... These things happen in the ring. In an underground fight scene. Yes. Uh, and so... Yukari Oshima, who is the subtitles vary. Sometimes it says brother, sometimes it says cousin. I think it might be implied they're like distant cousins. It's also her secret lover. Yeah. And she's been having an affair with him. And so she's really angry. And then so her husband, the the promoter guy, is like, all right, well then you and the, you know, Moon Lee have uh, a revenge match, which the Moon Lee character Lee refuses. So then they kidnap the Mark Chang character. So it becomes as much even darker film where like they torture the Mark Chang character and then she, Moon Lee and Yukari Oshima have this battle to the death, which Moon Lee wins. And then from there it becomes like a, a girls with guns type finale where we've got shooting and grenades and explosions and fight scenes. And it, it's just kind of, it doesn't fit with the rest of the aesthetic and action of the previous two acts of the film. Right. No, I, I think like if this film had been in the, in the hands of say a Frankie Chan, mm-hmm. the tone would have probably continued and been a melodramatic ending rather than we're going to tack on this, this action sequence that doesn't necessarily fit or Frankie Chan would have found a way to make it fit. Yeah. Uh, there would have been like some, some kind of linkage between, uh, between the, the final death match, so to speak. And the, the, the final action sequence that takes place at a house with that said, I remember this seeing this film because of that final right. sequence. It stands out. It's entertaining. It's definitely, it yeah, some great explosions and stunt work and fights and some really intense fight scenes, uh, some machete uh, ma- ma- machete fights, like knives, you know, like hacking stuff, uh, gunplay, as we said, uh, falling out of buildings. And so it's entertaining. It's just kind of like, whoa, the whole rest of the movie, we haven't, it's very militaristic almost in a sense, or... It is just kind of it's like a 180 in the tone of the action. Yeah, it, it if if the the film's fine the way it is, mm-hmm. if the film had chosen to end uh and like wrap things up uh, thematically and story wise uh, with Moon Lee after the death fight in a more melodramatic way and in a more mature way, where they kind of close the film off. It probably would have been more memorable from it probably would have stood out amongst the competition of films being made around that time. But uh, the tacking this on made it one of a film from that era. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a great final. It's a great final act. Right. It might not fit. 
it might almost feel like it was shot for another film and then tacked onto this film, but it was fun. Yeah, definitely fun. And once again, we haven't really talked about the fight scenes in this film. They're incredible. They're from that era, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s style, girls with guns subgenre. There's a couple of kickboxing sequences. Well, the one of Billy Chow and Ken Lo, which is pretty extended. We were even talking about last night after the screening. It goes on pretty long, but it is kind of cool to see two experienced, you know, Muay Thai or kickboxing champions just kind of freestyling. And like Tyre even asked me, do you think that was choreographed? Do you think it was freestyle? Like, it, was, it was definitely a combination of both, right? Yeah. For certain shots and so forth. So uh, there's it, a lot of that ring action, but we always loved that fight scene between Billy Chow and Moon Lee. It gets a little more Hong Kong style because they're wearing like jumpsuits. So, you know, they can hide pads underneath and stuff yeah. and they're wearing, they are wearing gloves. But, uh, and then we get Moon Lee has like a street fight, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and Moon Lee is just such a phenomenal performer like Yukari Oshima, but unlike Yukari Oshima, who has, who had a real legitimate martial arts background in Gojo-ru karate, uh, Moon Lee was a dancer trained. As I've always speculated, I think she probably was trained in Taekwondo for the movies. There's even like one movie where she's in a Taekwondo uniform uh, because her kicks are phenomenal. And throughout the film, we also noticed there was some interesting technical choices, some point of view shots, mm -hmm. some uh, even right before the final battle, there's almost, it's like a Western, just a, a, a slow motion style, kind of still shot of nature. And yes. it, there's a lot of stuff that I noticed when watching this film and A Book of Heroes where I'm like, these films were shot for the big screen. Yeah. And there's certain nuances you don't appreciate until you see them on the big screen. And all we've ever watched are these kind of bootleg, you know, pan and scan versions, not bootleg, but, you know, like crappy VHS versions where kids and they're not formatted correctly. And so, and these directors were never thinking about shooting them for a small television at home. So some of the stuff really pops on the big screen, stuff you wouldn't even notice when watching at home on your TV. Uh, but definitely some cool technical choices. Uh, and same thing with the book of heroes back to that real quick. The one thing we didn't mention was I love the use of slow motion mid fight scene. Mm -hmm. It would be, so it's not like they filmed it in slow motion, not that clear cut kind of like we had in Marshall club last week, but instead it's like in the middle of a full speed shot, it's transitions to slow motion. So you can see the kick or the stunt. And then sometimes goes back to full speed. I really like that effect sometimes even more so than say the Jackie Chan double play effect. Uh, I like that one better where we're just seeing it clearly the one time it's executed. But anyways, back to Kickboxer's Tears. Uh, so yeah, really good fight scenes. Uh, you have some phenomenal performers. Uh, Billy Chow and Moon Lee technically have two fight scenes. They have their one the underground fight, but before that they have one in a restaurant where Moon Lee's trying to prove her ability to fight him in the ring. And that's a great one. And just anytime Billy Chow just gets to throw punches and kicks, his technique is so flawless. Because once again, WKA world champion kickboxer, it's just a treat to see him on the big screen. And he, he demonstrates a unique amount of power in his technique with everything he throws, whether it's a jab, a hook, whereas some of the other Hong Kong performers that are maybe more actors or traditional martial artists, everything they do looks good and quote unquote powerful. But when you see Billy Chow, like a Benny the Jet on screen, mm. like our sensei Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham, you see the true power that comes with his movements being that these people are all world champions. Well, it's funny. So if anybody is new to Billy Chow, um, we both, we, both had him on our top 10 fight 
see fight list uh-huh. you had the one with uh jet lee from legend of the fist fist of legend fist of legend sorry and then i had him uh with sammo hung in pedicab driver right uh he is a phenomenal performer and what's what was fun about the kickboxing sequences early on with he and ken lo it was nice to see ken lo who is a perpetual villain who can also be funny and who can also be a, a friend and a side actor kind of have the lead role in a happy confident uh place smiling you don't get to see him smiling for that long on yeah. film often and then also to see a billy chow not in a weaker state but in a not uh a lacked confidence in the first three rounds of his fight with billy chow it was a lot of with uh ken low ken low yes thank you not billy chow fighting billy chow but yeah cool. so it it's a it, it was a nice turn at the beginning of the film to see them get to I feel like play a little bit in the ring together. Right. And then they just kind of edited it together, maybe repeated some stuff. Um, but um, when it came to Billy Chow executing, even in that sequence, you could tell when he was becoming direct, like when he was supposed to actually, do you, do you know what I mean? There were there was elements even in that area where they were playing where you could see the, really, the real Billy Chow start to... Uh, um, show himself and then at the restaurant sequence with moon lee you would definitely see the sting and his ability to just get the right lines for for the camera and also get just feel dangerous on, yeah on film and every, every time he fought you you saw that even when he was holding back in that first fight with ken low yeah yeah, so once again, this is another great one. A lot easier to get a hold of. Like Tai Sang released this one. There was a VHS copy. I remember when I was a kid and a I DVD I, one. I think I have a DVD from that I got at uh, Zia Records in Las Vegas. There you go. So, uh, and I'm pretty sure there's a full version on YouTube somewhere. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's a much easier one to get a hold of. Overall though, and it's funny, after watching them last night, I shouldn't say funny. I, I think I can confidently say that A Book of Heroes is my much preferred film mm-hmm. and one that I would recommend to either established fans of the genre or someone brand new to the genre. Mm-hmm. I think everyone, and don't get me wrong, I love Kickboxer's Tears, but A Book of Heroes is just a fun, insane shot of adrenaline with so many stellar fight sequences and the timing, the pacing, everything is just so well done. As As cheesy and hokey as certain elements of the plot can be, the film keeps you enthralled the entire time. You're never like, okay, this is drawn out or this. It's just the second you maybe start to get annoyed with something, it'll take a turn and take you to something else. And I think it also has a unique Taiwanese flair to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, fr- from a lot of the Taiwanese films. Yes. It is definitely... It, I, I would say it's one of the strongest. Yes, and it it has elements. the The action is that perfect kind of combination of. I mean, they were already very similar, but of like the Robert Ty Alexander Low Ray or Ray Low films uh, of that era. They're super high intensity action sequences with kind of the more nuanced choreography of the Hong Kong films. Perhaps I just think it's that perfect blend mm-hmm. and. You can't go wrong watching that movie. I feel like even a fish out of water type viewer, someone that has zero interest, can also at least appreciate. They may even be watching, and be like, "This is absolutely stupid. I'm going to turn it off." Oh my god, that stunt was insane! Like, even just there's going to be something that keeps you 
motivated to want to finish this movie, even if you have zero interest in the genre. Well, and it's funny because you say finish this movie. The version that we saw last night, I thought, oh, the film is ending right here. And then it actually took time to right. wrap up every single story element. And then, so even after, oh, it's wrapping up this one. So now it's over. Oh, no, now we're wrapping up. Because a as a true balanced ensemble piece, it gave equal equal balance, equal screen time to each story. So therefore, each story got to wrap up. Right. And which is which is kind of, I won't say it's kind of rare. It is very rare in, in action films in general and also in action films from that from that period, from that era, from 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 the Hong Kong era, it, you didn't always get the wrap up. You got the walking away, maybe a yeah. still shot. This actually, you well, got that was Kickboxer Tears. Remember, yes. it literally yeah. just the police show up, they start arresting everybody, even our good guys, and then the credits roll, and a lot of people started laughing, understandably so, because they're not used to the genre. For us, yeah. we're like, yeah, that's whatever. Yeah, the end. <laughs> we're, we're used to it, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Otherwise, great experience. Uh, and then afterwards, we stayed and talked for like an hour with uh, Aaron. Stayed with us for a little bit, but then he had to drive out to Riverside. He had a trek. Uh, but Tiger, our good friend Tiger, and we stayed. And we could have stayed chatting forever, but we also had to get back. Uh, and yeah, great experience. It always is, but this is one I'll definitely remember. I try to make all of these that I can. But anytime it's a unique one, like a book of heroes, I'm going to be here. Like there was earlier in the year, there was a double more old school, uh, actually, once again, Taiwanese Kung Fu double screening. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I was like, well, I'd love if I was local, I'd be there and I'd love to be there. But I can't quite afford to take time off, you know, from yeah. work at that time and just to go see this one. But anything like of this era, yeah, I'm going to do. And we appreciate the new Beverly having these screenings. We'd love to collaborate if you're listening by chance and ever want to, you know, do something. Uh, we'd love to. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, any final closing thoughts? If you put Moonly and Yukari Oshima on the screen, we will be there. I like it. I like it. All right, my friend. This has been fun. It's been weird being yeah. right next to each other. Yeah, I'm like I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking straight ahead for the small square where your face is. Yeah. It, then you're like right here in Boston. Oh. This is perfect. I almost forgot. I got you a gift at Kung Fu Day. Oh. Yeah. So okay. hold on. It's right here in my bag. And I don't know. You didn't really tell us much about Kung Fu Day. Good Good point. So uh, that's part of like movie news is. Yeah. So last week, San Francisco Chinatown Kung Fu Day. Didn't really get the chance to interview anybody. It was a lot of fun. I went to the Bruce Lee exhibit at the Chinese Historical so uh, Society the Museum. I got an amazing tour. I've been to a lot of these Bruce Lee museums all over the world, not to toot my own horn. You know, I've been to the the one in Shunda with the giant Bruce Lee statue. I've been to the one in Hong Kong about four or five years ago when they had their full exhibit, which is incredible. Been to the one in Seattle, so-so. But this one in San Francisco, fantastic. Go there. The only reason we hadn't been there yet is every time Jessica and I were in Chinatown, we were, you know, there for an event or this or that. Mm -hmm. And by the time it finished the museum was already closed. Yeah. So we had a great time. We went to our favorite uh, restaurant, Palette Tea House, some of the best dim sum literally in the world. So it, good. The the text messages I was receiving and the photos almost made me block AJ because I was drooling. Yeah. I, I may, If you think I'm kidding about blocking, I am. But about the drooling, I was not. And we had perfect weather. You know, couldn't complain about the weather. That was incredible. Uh yeah, so it was just a great time. You know, I love being in that environment. I love the ambiance. I love 
other like-minded Kung Fu people. So once again, feel free to message us and reach out like, uh, you know, our good buddy Randall, uh, who does from Kung Fu Conversations. And uh, once again, I try not to be on social media as much, but I do try to get back to messages. I've been a little busy recently. Uh, sorry to our friend Randall, because I know he sent me some messages I need to respond. I'm going to do that later. I think, but, I think we have some tweets that people ask questions that I need to get to. Okay, yeah. So I'll, we'll do that maybe next year. And we'd yeah, love sir. to do an AMA if people want to ask us questions. So ask let's get on anything. that. AMA right. is ask me anything or ask us anything. Yeah. So here is your present. All uh, right. I'm opening it up for him. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's a t-shirt. That says, eat, sleep, kung fu. I love it. Full warning, I got the exact same shirt. <laughs> so uh, I have mine in black, though. So Okay. Very And, and it's cool. got the Thank little symbols, kind of like uh, sign symbols are like that like you see. As you're exiting on, the fr on a freeway. Yeah, or in the airport. So yes. it's got eat, and it's got the little silverware, sleep. It's got the little sleeping symbol, and kung fu, a guy doing kung fu. Oh, this is very cool. Thank you very much. You are welcome. So anyways, that wraps things up. We'll be back with you next week, and... That's that. Adios. Adios.